Today on the show, we have Mr. Sean Puckrin. He is the Chief Product Officer of Global Processing Services. Sean, welcome to the show. Hi there, Lewis. How are you doing? Yes, very well. Thanks, Sean. You're good enough to come and actually do a redo of this podcast. We were just chatting beforehand how we initially done a great show, I think, back in July or August, but the audio file became corrupted and we did our best to salvage it, but it just wasn't up to scratch so you've kindly come back on the show sean we, we appreciate you giving us a, a second shot uh, no problem i think you're just uh, you know glossing over it was obviously a bad show first time around so hopefully i'll be better this time. <laughs> let's make it even better so um how have you been sean where should we begin um in the fear of repeating some of what we spoke about last time but our audience has not heard any of it let's just uh, get an introduction to yourself mr buckram please tell us a bit about who you are and and your background in the, in the beautiful world of payments Sure. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm currently uh, the Chief Products Officer of GPS. I've been in this role for about a year. Um, you know, GPS is, a, is an issue of processors, so we uh, support some of the, uh, you know, well-known near banks as well as lots of other companies uh, to provide cards uh, to their business and uh, c- consumer uh, um, customers. So uh, if you're familiar with the likes of Starling, uh, Revolut Curve, with a, with an issuer that sits, an issue of processor that sits behind those companies. Um, my background previously, uh, I saw the role before I did before this one was actually uh, uh, not in payments, but uh, in, a, in a prop tech uh, startup uh, called Nested, uh, which was uh, you know really trying to uh, disrupt how estate agents and uh, the moving process works. But prior to that, I did uh, a lot to, a long time at uh, WellPay. I was chief products officer uh, for the UK and European business uh, at, at WellPay. So working more on the on the merchant side, so working with everything from Tesco's all the way down to uh, the smallest uh, sort of stores uh, and, and really trying to work out how we improve their payment journey. And that was a really interesting run through both uh, floating the business, but then also um, acquisition by Vantif and then ultimately by FIS as well. Um, and then prior to that, I've worked in, in various other companies, uh, originally actually in mobile technology, uh, but uh, I also worked in a company called Monetize that some of your viewers may be familiar with. Um, who ultimately got acquired by FIS. Uh, and in that business, I worked uh, building a lot of the original mobile banking applications, uh, particularly in the UK. So uh, NatWest and Co-op and those types of uh, banking apps uh, me and my teams uh, were responsible for. Very good, Sean. I think monetize, it makes up a very important part of the history of payments, certainly in, in Britain, but that name has somewhat disappeared in, into the history books now, but it was definitely an important player in its time. Um, cast your mind back, uh, let our audience know, especially some of the younger ones, newer to payments, what was special and new about Monetize back in the day and why did you know, Behemoth FIS uh, decide to buy it? What, what was so good about that company? Yeah, well, I, I think, you know, uh, it, it's no real secret. And, and then looking back now, it's, it's really obvious. But, um, you know, at the time, uh, you know, adding that mobile uh, elements to banking and payments, you know, hadn't really been done or, or had been talked about but, but hadn't been done and so Monetize is one of the first companies to really try and help the, the banks to, to bring that to bear and so that started off initially with with uh, things like text message banking so getting balance alerts uh, and uh, being able to check your balance via text messages uh, and that then evolved into the mobile app world and so you know again looking back now that seems really obvious but we were some of the first uh, people to do it and so you know building those first wave of mobile banking apps you know really kind of revolutionized you know how people interact with their 
with their money. Uh, and so, you know, the, the Mellon was one of the first companies to really recognize that that's where, where the future was headed. You know, a lot of the banks were very proud of their online banking solutions and thought that mobile was just a, you know, uh, you know a version of that, where actually we know that mobile you know, is the same distinct channel with all its kind of, uh, you know, sort of different ways of doing things. And, and that, you know, um, again, you know, helping those companies really understand how to do that. And I think you know, then, then lastly, um, you know, again, you know, we talk a lot about open banking today. We talk a lot about open APIs. Um, Mellisol was one of the first companies to really sort of uh, work out how to integrate with the banks, get the banks to be confident of actually opening up their systems to be able to integrate with us and then provide those APIs out to, you know, initially mobile front ends, but ultimately now that can be to other companies, uh, to other systems, to other channels. And so again, really sort of right at the beginning of, you know, it wasn't even called FinTech at that point. Definitely, the sort of beginning of that fintech journey. Yeah, monetize were for sure ahead of the curve. What were some of the details of that exit to FIS? I think it's old enough now that you can talk about it a bit. Yeah, to be honest, I'm probably not the best person to speak about it. I I, um, I left the business prior to that. I joined Worldplay before the uh, FIS acquisition. So, but really, you know, it was all based around the fact that um, you know it's about. FIS is a, is a major supply to banks of, of a number of systems where they call banking systems, all that kind of stuff. And so it makes sense to add that layer into their business as well. Um, similar question, but onto WorldPay and who FIS, of course, acquired more recently. As the CPO at the time, what are the unique responsibilities of the chief product officer when it comes to a major acquisition? All the chiefs have their lines of business, the CCO, the CPO, the CTO. They all have you know, deliverables when it comes to making sure the company is as ready as possible to be acquired, that all the ducks are aligned. Um, what were some of the things that you had to do to make sure that the FIS acquisition of WorldPay went off uh, as smoothly as, as, could possibly, uh, as it could possibly be? Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I wasn't there during the FIS acquisition, but I was there during the Vantif acquisition. Oh, yeah. that. But so, but, but, um, and also just to regret the, the um, Valentine's was acquired by Fireserve, not FIS. Too many, uh, too many companies that sound the same. Um, <laughs> so um, the, uh, yeah. So I think you know when when a company is looking at another company to acquire, yes, of course they're looking at the bottom line, they're looking at the security, they're looking at the revenues. Um, but they're also looking at what the what the story is for the future. How well positioned is the company to to prosper in you know what's going going to happen in the next two, five, ten years? And so that's really where the the, the, the product organisation is at the forefront of kind of really helping you know the, the businesses understand you know how well set they are, what the what the quality of the thinking is in terms of of, of you know what products are there, what segments are they looking after? You know how are they you know planning to target those segments and do those products align with those segments? And so it's really about you know as much as telling you what's happening today, kind of really saying how well positioned the company is for the future as well. And most of these big acquisitions are predicated, you know, on on future growth of of, of the acquired business as well as the existing performance of that business. And I, I think both acquisitions have paid off big time. And apologies for my ignorance mixing up FIS and Fiserv, something I still do, even though I've no, been... No, it's, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of these companies uh, and they all uh, you know, sound uh, pretty similar, so you know, no issue there. With a nice uh, quick walk down memory lane and we'll come to GPS in a moment. But you, you spent just over a year, almost two years in PropTech, which is yeah. um, an, a nice segue from, from payments into that industry. What made you go for that venture at the time? 
Yeah, you know, one that the team there was was really good. So Matt Robinson, who who sort of started the business, uh, is is um, you know really really great guy, and, and the rest of the, the management team there are, are really really strong, um, and great backers in terms of the the um, venture capital uh, companies that that support it, but also really solving a problem that um, that's out there, which is you know uh, moving home is tough and the process sucks quite a lot and having been through it a number of times myself uh, I always felt like uh, there wasn't enough data uh, uh, and information to really support good decision making in that process so um, so nested was really set up to to solve those problems one from a financial perspective but also from a kind of pure you know what information can we make sure we give to to home movers to be able to help them make the best decisions and so um, you know worked really hard on building out uh, the the data and consumer side of that business to really uh, enable you know, homeowners to, to understand what was happening with their sale, not just in terms of like, you know, when are people coming to visit and what they thought of the property, but also, you know, can we leverage you know, the, the data sets that are out there to give them information as to how their sale was doing versus others, you know, what their, you know, what was happening to the demand in their area, the supply in their area, you know, how do they rate against the, the competition in that area? And so um, all of these things, you know, have gone down you know, really well customers and, and that business is going to do, do really, really well, continues to, to run, you know, it's been obviously a tough time uh, since, uh, through through the last year or so in terms of both Brexit and uh, COVID on, on the property market, but they're really well positioned to do a, an amazing job. I, I think this industry as a whole is a, has a long way to row, run, sorry, like, like FinTech a couple of years back maybe, which is arguably a bit more mature than PropTech. I think we're going to see some fantastic innovations that are going to become mainstream very quickly. Thanks, Aziz. Yeah, 100%. And I think, um, you know, the, it, it's very similar to FinTech as well. There's... Um, there's lots of kind of practical problems to solve as well as the kind of whizzy stuff as well. So, you know, the combination of those two things means I think consumers definitely uh, should expect to see much better services in the next, you know, two, three, four years. We started PCN 12 years ago with a view to serving the FinTech community from a growth perspective. Since 2008, PCN has helped household names in fintech as well as the largest global merchants grow with the best talent who have specific financial technology experience. If you are a VC with a portfolio of fintech businesses, a scale-up looking to hire the best talent, or a merchant looking to hire a head of payments or an entire payments team, get in touch today for a no-obligation consultation on how PCN can help you accomplish your hiring goals. Okay, that brings us right up to the present, Sean, Global Processing Services. It's, it's a company that's been on our radar for a few years, but it seems to have really taken off in the last, say, 18 to, to 24 months. Um, what was the turning point from the company from a, you know, another, another processor in a very competitive processing and issuing and acquiring market to what seems to be nowadays a bit of a global leader of a very strong brand name, rapidly growing headcount. You know, when did this company really kind of take it up, take it up a notch, which it seems to have done in, in my estimation in, in the last one to two years. Yeah, I think with, with all overnight successes, it's been five to 10 years in the making. Right. Uh, so, you know, those, um, those, all those, all the hard yards that's been put into the, you know, prior to my time here in the business uh, have definitely paid off. So, you know, the, the core of why it's been successful is, is still the core of why, it's, why, why it retains to be successful is it's a platform that's very flexible and allows its customers to build the propositions they want to. And, and so when uh, the, the 
the startups that you're familiar with, so the, the Starlings, the Curves, the Revolutions, and, and Monzo at the beginning, um, you know, really wanted to work with a processor. Um, they found the choices not, not very palatable because of uh, the, the inflexibility of those platforms, because they were small companies, they didn't necessarily get the influence in, in those businesses to, to work with. And so they found a small company to work with that was very receptive to their needs, could, could deliver on the propositions they wanted to do, because they were very keen to change how banking was done. And so they found a great partner in, in GPS. And so as those businesses have, have grown and prospered and, and taken market share, so GPS has been able to, to grow with them. And as a result of that growth, being able to then enter new markets, uh, you know, provide new services, enter new segments. And so off the back of that growth, we've been really able to kind of prosper. And so yeah, over the last couple of years, you know, yes, the transaction growth has, has kind of really you know, skyrocketed, but, but that, like I say, that's really testament to the, to the hard work that went in uh, over the years. And it's very long-term thinking. When you think of these challenger banks, as wonderful as they all are, and now we're all using them, you know, profit margins at these companies have been thin for, for a long time. And only recently, as some of them start to really explode, Revolut comes to mind. It's just been astronomical for those guys for the last year or so. GPS, very intelligent, but a very slow-burning strategy to partner with these companies as a segment in the belief that in a few years time, they're all gonna really take off and start to take market share from the big, uh, more traditional banks. Um, a very smart, very long-term strategy that a lot of you know, processors just keen to make a quick buck would, would not have gone for. Yeah, and I think you know the, the other thing about GBS is that it's 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 always been uh, you know it's never been run as a high debt company, so it hasn't really taken on huge amounts of VC money or anything like that. It's been you know founder funded for a long time. Recently, sort of PE acquired, uh, but but you know again, and I think that again runs uh, testament to how the business has been run very much with a, a mind of, of not uh, of living by its means to a certain extent and not kind of. Uh, uh, getting too excited about the growth of these things and making sure that we could always be, um, you know, a, 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 a company that, that, you know, was growing healthily and, and uh, you know, sort of stably rather than kind of massive expansion and then not being able to kind of sustain that. So um, that's been always been a, 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 a byword of the, of the business and it is today. And so whilst we scale, you know, across the, the world, we're also keen to make sure that we don't try and cover too many bases too quickly. And, and so, you know, that slow, that state, I wouldn't say slow, but sort of sustainable growth is, is, is something that's really, really hard to do. You know, we keep getting invited and pulled in lots of directions, which is great and really encouraging, but actually half the, the battle is saying no to some of these things and making sure that when we do commit to things and do uh, choose to do something that we do it properly and, and do it well for our customers. So in terms of picking your battles and, and choosing sustainable areas of growth, I just read that Visa has recently put some money into GPS, which is fantastic news. Congratulations. Um, what sort of growth do you and Visa intend to be doing together with this money? I think, uh, I think the big idea is growing in the Far East, but some other key markets as well. Yeah, so I mean, first and foremost, we, you know, we're, we're super glad to have Visa on board. And I think, you know, uh, you know the money is, is always welcome for investment, but I think more than anything, it's a, it's a real sort of, uh, you know, mark for us in terms of saying you know, that we are, um, a very well-established business and the visa recognize that and so and, and so do our customers and so um, you know it's great for the business um, exactly as you say there's kind of two main uh, areas where um, that we're looking where we can see work together you know in a, in a powerful way one is is global expansion so as you mentioned you know we've launched in in Asia um, you know last year and that's 
going extremely well. We signed up customers in Australia, in Singapore, in, in Hong Kong, um, and, and so double down in, in, our, in our Asia growth, uh, but also uh, you know, looking to launch uh, in the Middle East as well. So again, a really important area for Visa, a really important area for us, you know, where, where we see where, where Europe and particularly the UK has been particularly strong in that, in that kind of neobank market and rollout, you're seeing the same thing happen in a lot of different territories. So we want to, what we did for the UK market, we want to do for lots of other markets and, and the Middle East in particular right now, this explosion of new players is, is definitely happening. And then we want to be there to, to help support that, that burgeoning ecosystem and, and, and Visa absolutely want us to, to be there as well. The other part of it is, you know, Visa have, um, you know, lots of, um, Lots of things they're bringing to market, and they recognise that um, you know it, that's easier to do if they have players like us also supporting that activity. So uh, whether it's things like Visa Direct to enable card-to-card payments, that kind of stuff, um, you know, if there are more pieces of the puzzle they have integrated uh, with these things, the easier it is for their customers to to use them. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider subscribing in order to receive every episode as it's published. The fintech space is ever changing and we care about keeping you up to date with the latest happenings in this exciting space. If you wish to appear on the next episode of In Check with Fintech, please email podcast at teampcn.com. That's podcast at teampcn.com. So the success GPS has had organically partnering with the likes of Curve, Starling, Revolut in the UK, Visa can plug you into those sorts of companies in new territories, uh, in, in Dubai, in, in parts of uh, the APAC region, and you can hopefully repeat that success, but, but even quicker, thanks to Visa putting you directly in touch with these uh, neobanks and challenger banks in these, in these new territories you're moving into. Yeah, and like I said, these were things we, we were definitely planning to do anyway, but having the likes of Visa sort of uh, supporting you definitely helps, and whether that's... Yeah, it's as much as you say introduction to the to those ecosystems, but also um, the regulators, the, the the various bodies that that um, you know we need to work with mm-hmm. to be able to you know uh, go live in those regions. You know that's a lot of hard work, and and so you know um, definitely can be helped when you have uh, you know backers who can who can make sure that you're getting the to have the right conversations. That's really good news. And, and talking about backers, I just read that the UK DIT, that's the Department for Investment and Trade important, uh, let's say, foreign office arm of, of the UK government, helping UK cover businesses, do business abroad. It's just uh, selected GPS to be part of its export champion program, helping British yeah. business do more business ar- around the world. Tell us a bit about that. Yeah, exactly. but exactly for the same reasons, right? Which is, you know, one, you know, we've been very supportive, the, the DLT have been very supportive of the business, which is great. And we really welcome, you know, the effort that they put in. You know, they're there to encourage, you know, UK businesses to, to get out there in the world and, and, and do business. And so, you know, the, the more uh, that we, more that we work together, the better we are in terms of understanding new markets, being able to kind of get into those markets more quickly, more effectively, uh, you know, and, and understand the, the local regulations, all of those things. And so the, the DRT have been, been you know, really, really helpful in, in helping us do that. And, and you know, that's not a, a kind of one-way street, that's a reciprocal thing. And it isn't just for us, it's also, you know, it, it, these things are genuinely about ecosystems. FinTech is, uh, is, is, is a is a uh, a business where lots of companies have to work together to to support our mutual customers, and so the more we can work with our with our ecosystem with the uh, the DIT, um, you know, the better it is for all of us. It's definitely an, uh, you know a, a, a non zero sum game in terms of the uh, the effort that we put in together as a collective uh, ecosystem. Yeah, that, that non zero sumness 
is um, is definitely the watchword here. I think we're quite lucky in the UK that we've had a very fintech um, specific or fintech aware um, DIT for for some years now, unlike many other European governments, perhaps. And I think. There's a few other, um, let's say, territories that have also been ahead of the game. Singapore comes to mind. You know, the city of Atlanta has a very forward-thinking uh, fintech, uh, let's say, government attaché. And it really helps businesses like yours um, internationalize quicker um, by acting as an ecosystem rather than, you know, a cat fight for market share everywhere you go. Um, and, yeah, I guess we can really thank the DIT for that. Yeah, 100%. I think, you know, there are obviously each of those territories has unique factors, which kind of probably led them to be more inclined to support these types of services. But you're absolutely right. It, it makes a massive difference. And I think, you know, not only uh, do, uh, you know, not only do they help us go internationally, but also other countries look to the UK and say, okay, well, what did happen there? What was the, the, the changes that were made to enable these things? And so, you know, we have a, you know, ability to, to help educate and inform and, and understand, you know, and also, you know, make sure that the same mistakes, you know, where we've made them in the past don't happen again. So um, yeah, it's definitely something where, you know, the UK is, is world leading and, 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 you know, a combination of both the commercial and government sides of that can, can keep that going. Indeed, it's definitely a part of the economy we can be proud of. Um, lots of good f- things going on. I, I just read, a, read about something, and I'm going to ask you to explain it properly rather than allowing me to, uh, to butcher it. But there's a recent collaboration between GPS and other processes and fintechs called B.Ond, Beyond. Uh, run us through what, what this uh, Beyond is, Sean. Yeah, so, so Beyond is a, 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 a sort of a, a sister company of GPS and so the, the intention here was you know we're a processor but but to really start a um, you know a challenger bank or, or, or a program you need a number of things in place so you need a you know a, generally an e-money license uh, uh, and a, a, an FCA regulated often we call it a bin sponsor or a bank to support that activity uh, you need a card manufacturer you need uh, someone who can provide uh, the kind of CRM and applications KYC solutions, all that kind of stuff. So Beyond is really a consortium of, of companies that we, we've pre-integrated all of those things so that uh, you know, if you are new to the, the space and you want to start something quickly, then, we're, then it's a really good place to, to start. So, because um, you can get all those things off the shelf pre-integrated and you can start testing your proposition. So it's not necessarily intended for you to kind of stay on it forever and kind of build your business, but, if you, but really as a kind of MVP uh, incubator, it's a, it's a great place to kind of start and, and kind of really test out how to get to market. And so, um, so yeah, we recognize that sometimes pulling all of those pieces together is a hurdle uh, to test those things. And so we've really tried to reduce the barriers to entry for, for new players. Fantastic. Is that, is that a new product, a brainchild of yours? or other uh, so, um, uh, Very much led by our CCO, a guy called uh, Neil Harris. But uh, so, so yeah, it, I'd say it was kind of fostered by GPS, but it is a consortium of the companies that are involved. Right. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, look, this is a very good news podcast. Um, talking about visa investments, UK government recognition, new products coming to market. Um, but, uh, you know, we have to talk about the big C and the big B, Corona and, and, and Brexit, I'm afraid, <laughs> because it's not all good times out there. Every conversation does, right? <laughs> so let's, let's bring it down a tone. How, how are you guys faring through the end of this year? through these lockdowns, semi-lockdowns, multi-tiered systems? Has it, has it knocked your business at all? Or is it you know, strictly you know, Rose Gardens and, and good news over at GPS? 
so look, we're extremely lucky to be uh, in a in a business and a space that you know, whilst it has been affected, like every business has, uh, is still robust and uh, you know, it is has signs to suggest that that things have moved in our direction uh, over time, uh, and some of it partially because of, of COVID. Um, so so you know, recognise that, that isn't true of all industries and all businesses. So 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 that's you know, we have to be extremely grateful for that. I think you know, COVID has driven a number of things for us uh, that are that are actually positive right so um the move away from cash you know uh, and strong contactless and online payments obviously obviously benefits us um you know i think it's made people um you know question their relationships with their financial services businesses because they've had to probably interact with them more now than they ever had previously so you know those um uh if you if you've ever tried to raise a chargeback recently, you probably recognise that some businesses are in a much better position than others to support their customer base, and so that's caused customers to think about whether they move their financial services providers, and that again generally benefits us because most of that most of that move is towards new new providers who provide better interfaces, better customer service. So so again, that's that's positive for us. Um, and I think the other thing is that because we, you know, as we've just described, you know, we, we've internationalized our business significantly over the last, um, you know, sort of 18, 24 months. It also means that, yes, you know, whilst lockdowns hurt because the overall number of transactions and economic activity does reduce, um, you know, that's spread across a number of different regions and different lockdowns and different times, which means we've been able to kind of you know, be relatively robust in, in, in our response to that. So, so that's definitely there. I think the other thing is, you know, um, for us, it's also how our customers have reacted. So, uh, you know, great example is someone like Starling, who, you know, through COVID launched their um, uh, companion card product, which, you know, they're able to do because our platform is extremely flexible and allows them to do that. But that's a, an example of, a, you know, a new player who's much more agile, much more uh, able to react to the market, providing a brand new service to react to what's happening. Uh, and, and that's, uh, you know, we're really proud of that, but you know, it's ultimately their product, um, you know, but allowing, because our customers be able to react faster, that's that's also kind of worked in our favor. So, you know, definitely not without challenges like everyone in terms of working remotely, you know, but ultimately the underlying business uh, sort of moves have, you know, the, the phrase that's banded around is like, you know, five years worth of change in, in six months. Is certainly true in terms of the move to digital uh, payments uh, over, over cash and other traditional payment methods. Mm, oh, it, it really is. And I say this in the um, most non-braggadocious way. You can't let a good crisis go to waste. And I think fintech companies, along with a small segment of other kind of se sectors, have um, made great strides this year and capitalized for the good of everyone. Um, there have been some winners this year and, and fintech and e-commerce are uh, neo banking digital banking services are definitely amongst them um, so there's no shame in saying so and you've been able to take on new people your businesses are growing you're hiring more people you've not had to let too many people go hopefully so you know, congrats for doing so well this year yeah, no, and I think, you know, again, we, we're definitely that one. I think to your point, you know, there's, there's, there's that kind of like never waste a crisis in a kind of uh, um, abusive way. It's probably too strong, but maybe a kind of exploitative way. But, you know, with, with us, it's genuinely been, a, you know, the market's just moved in that direction. So, um, you know, as you say, it's, it's been a, on the whole, positive for everyone change in terms of those particular aspects. So, so yeah, it's definitely, um, yeah, again, but again, recognizing that we're, that, we're, that we're lucky as much as anything else as well. Indeed. Brexit's really taken a back seat. Now we're living in a, the year of coronavirus, but I think it's all coming to yet another crunch date. Um, 
what's the horizon for you in terms of Brexit? Does it looking like it's going to affect your business? Are you well prepared for it? Do you have any insider knowledge in terms of the readiness? I certainly don't have any insider knowledge. Um, I think we all uh, uh, sort of uh, live on our news briefings uh, of, of an evening. But um, ultimately, you know, we will we we will uh, you know, be able to operate. Uh, either way, um, you know, we, we feel we're in a good place in terms of understanding the regulatory horizon, but, you know, knowing that that could change and we still have to make some adjustments. But but ultimately, we don't think there's anything that's going to fundamentally affect our business. There may be some things that we have to tactically take care of. Um, you know, our customers have certainly been making their preparations and making sure they uh, they have regulated entities in the, in the right territories to be able to continue to, to process for their customers in the various territories that they're in. So if they had UAK um, licenses, they now have them in, in, in places in Europe and, and vice versa. So, um, you know, it feels like our customer base and ourselves are in a, are in a pretty good spot, but, um, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's still unknown until that final deal is, uh, or, or no deal is, is uh, that we're aware of. So, you know, we all, we all watch with bated breath to sort of see what comes out in the next couple of weeks. Indeed. Look, Sean, it's mainly good news. GPS are still supporting some of the coolest fintechs in Britain, Curve, Starling, Revolut. You've got a fantastic investment from Visa to repeat those successes around the world. You've got an official recognition from the UK government to get inside their ecosystem and uh, globalise even quicker, I suppose. Um, and you're weathering this year's you know, two biggest challenges in the UK and, and elsewhere, which is Corona and Brexit. Um, so kudos all round. Anything else you'd like to share with our audience about yourself or, or GPS before we uh, before we clock off? No, no. I think you know. I think we've uh, we've probably talked about ourselves uh, enough. So uh, no, that's great. Thank you for the opportunity, Sean Pugrin, CPO of GPS. Thanks very much for being on the show again, Sean. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. And we'd like to leave you with a more serious message from our partner Free a Girl, who are dedicated to fighting child prostitution and impunity all over the world. Hi, I'm Eveline, CEO and founder of Free a Girl. Every day, two million children, especially girls, are being held captive worldwide. They are locked up and exploited in brothels, dance bars, or online, forced into sexual exploitation. Their freedom is taken away together with their youth, family, and future. We are dedicated to fight sexual exploitation of children by rescuing these girls. Please join us, unlock their freedom and unlock your potential by becoming a business partner. Please visit freegirl.com for more information. Thank you.